Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Ella Jean Ehrlich. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Rosie. This is Martina Navratilova. This is Mark Forbes. I'm Andy Murray. You're listening to The Tennis Podcast. We're back in the lobby. No sign of Nick Kyrgios. Catherine's got the whiskey out. Uh, I've had my two beers, uh, so I'm on the water. Um, I'm not making that error again <laughs> last, <laughs> last time I got in all sorts of trouble when I went to four beers law uh, Rafael Nadal is currently on court he's got his early break against Diego Schwartzman we're expecting that to be pretty one-sided I think to be honest with all due respect to Diego yeah f- f- I'd, I would love it not to be I'd love Schwartzman to challenge but I don't think he's going to it's funny how all the listeners know right yeah. now we don't <laughs> yeah However, we, we do know. <laughs> Please edit this out if it ages badly. Obviously. But we do know. <laughs> we don't edit things out, folks. Honestly, we He's only edit never things... never beaten a top five player. Yeah, it's three love. Oh, well. Um, so let's go backwards, though, from here, because we've just come out from the pub where I had my two beers and we had our steak salads. What Americans call a pub. Yeah, it was a bar. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a pub. Swanky, wasn't it? Yeah, there was no sawdust around or anything. Um, and uh, it was very nice though and we watched Bianca Andreescu defeat Elise Mertens from a set down and it was it was fascinating wasn't it it was so interesting to watch Andreescu play against a woman who's just rock solid and gives you nothing and played really really well and, and have to find a way around that and it's usually the those types of players the rock solid give you nothing type players that expose the inexperienced talented youngsters yes. isn't it that's usually a, a, a sort of a coming of age type watershed thing for those type of players um, and I suppose I suppose on paper it was looking a bit rocking there for, rocky there for Andreescu but then sort of was it because mm. she doesn't seem to be able to lose tennis matches I'll say yeah. it again March the 2nd the last time she lost a completed tennis match that's ridiculous is absolutely ridiculous so so. I mean obviously she's had a it ever big in injury in that period but still the sheer number of matches she's won and the level of tournaments she's won them at I mean Indian Wells Cincinnati and now here she is in the semi-finals of the US Open I mean that for a 19 year old who's who's kind of in her first proper year on the tennis circuit, that is 
quite extraordinary. She and she did have a really likable moment of disbelief when she when she won that match, didn't she? She, I mean, everything about her reaction was warm and likable and intriguing. Really, at first of all, she was saying, "I'm speechless," and then promptly gave quite an eloquent <laughs> portion of speech, <laughs> and then she just sort of said, "How is this real? How is this real? How is this real?" Um, and it's good that it's good that as much as she's taking it all in her stride and dealing with all the pressure it's good that she's aware of it yeah and isn't there's a difference between taking it in stride and taking it for granted and there is no hint of the latter it's cool for her isn't it this whole thing is cool she's not too cool for it in her mind although I think she is actually really cool I think she her sass as uh, Simon Briggs calls it is is, is I find it really appealing I mean it may, may, she may not be for everybody because she's so self-assured and, and so sort of walking with a swagger but I love it I love watching her carry herself I love watching the way she plays the sport but yet she she's not taking this for granted she's looking at it and thinking this is brilliant yeah she's making it cool to care yeah which we need um, when you walked into that bar we saw the screen and it was 1-4 and she lost that set what did you think did you how worried were you for her on a scale of 1 to 10? I still would have been surprised if she'd lost it. I was quite high yeah. on the scale, I have to say. Were I, you? Yeah, I, I thought... I had that moment where somebody's put loads of good audacious displays in over the course of a week and you think it's going to happen. And then they... You know, like when Mark Philippus beat Pete Sampras at the Australian Open and then Mark Woodford carved him up in straight to the day after, a couple of days after... And we've seen a few like that. Nick Kyrgios beating Nadal at Wimbledon, then being beaten by Milos Raonic. I thought this was one of those, in a way. Although Andrescu here has gone through people in a fairly regulation fashion for the most part and hasn't beaten a massive name, I did think... I thought she was going to lose, you know, when she was a set-down. But she's, she's won in all sorts of ways and in all sorts of different circumstances, hasn't she? She's no. now... You know, her first two matches were court 10 and court 5, and... She really had to earn her spot on Arthur Ashe Stadium. Then she had to earn her first night session. Yeah. You know, it's not just like she's being thrust into all the ideal big-time scenarios and she's thriving off that. I feel like she's, yeah, she's, she's throw her into anything and she's a winning machine. It's the decoding of the problems that I absolutely love watching with her because of her variety, but it's variety with a purpose. You sometimes see players who throw in variety almost indulgently or because they, they've got it and they don't really know what to do with it she really knows what to do with her tool set and it's I think it's just so exciting for the future there's an intuition about it isn't there and Belinda Benchich who you'll meet in the uh, semi-final spoiler alert has the same thing you know she talks about how she she plays on instinct mm. these are players with that unteachable tennis instinct and it's so appealing to watch she's she's you you feel like she's as much as it looks like she's she's playing these audacious shots and sometimes redlining her game and going for the lines somehow it also feels like she's playing within herself because if that doesn't work there's another way she can win yeah there's always another way that she can she can win and with her power there is always cover 
she's always covering these big drives of hers with lots and lots of spin so that she's got control of it and it's it takes me aback how powerful her backhand is because she gets such a lot of conversation about her forehand but she hit she's hitting blinding winners with the backhand as well and then sometimes she's just not bothering to drive the backhand because she's got this lovely backhand slice and she had a dog in her players box so what's not to like folks <laughs> no wonder Catherine is very much in there uh, a Bianca. dog that she had on the um the practice court the other day and uh, Mary Carrillo just strode over to Bianca Andreescu and presumably introduced herself and did some preliminary chit-chat before <laughs> the main event, which was asking her, what breed of dog is that? Because <laughs> we'd been speculating. I thought it was a cavapoo. Um, turned out it was a straight-up poo. Just a oh, toy poodle. I see. Neat. I don't actually think Mary needs to do chit-chat. She can just... I mean, Mary cool Carrillo. She just wanders over and just is cool and therefore can speak to people anybody she liked and she did yeah it was uh, I probably witnessed the start of a beautiful friendship yeah um, Mary Bianca and Coco I could imagine the those three poodle. getting on famously yeah please invite me uh, you know hang around with the right people never know um, right so she's into the uh, semi-finals and uh, Belinda Benchich as you said is her opponent whereas this one was really engrossing to watch all the way through and there was real jeopardy for for Andrescu and she found a way to win and I I felt quite sorry for Mertens at the end because I mean she tried her heart out and she came close and I don't think she can play any better than that personally and then also there was that incredible scene backstage they took the camera into the gym and they filmed live Mertens on the stationary bike on the exercise bike warming down right next to Andrescu which is incredible to think you know they've just battled it out for two hours and here they are perfectly comfortable but having to sit next to each other to, to, to do the warm down um, but whereas that was was full of intrigue that match the, the match between Bencic and Donovekic weird I, I didn't particularly enjoy no really. it was weird and awkward and it was like um it was like when Jamie and Andy Murray played in yeah, Cincinnati in doubles. Yeah, that's exactly it what just, it was. The scoreline looked great. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> the atmosphere was weird. Couldn't get into it. Yeah, very strange. Um, and as they're good friends. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I said to you the other night when Vekic beat Gergers, I... I I love watching Dona Vekic on one level, but I find I find myself feeling quite stressed watching her because she's she's going through it, and her face it's she has she has the absolute opposite of a poker face. Yeah, which I'm very sympathetic with. Yes, because <laughs> you do surprise me. I. Uh... I spend all day with, even when we're not on air, I'm sat there mic'd up and everything and I've got sort of three cameras on my face and a gallery full of people watching every reaction that I have to every event of the day and I am told, David, this will surprise you, that that my face is quite easy to read. (laughs) Yes, I have 12 years of experience of Um, that. And usually the book says, arsey. (laughs) <laughs> amongst other things um, um, yeah so I 
I feel her struggle. Yes. <laughs> I imagine I would be a nightmare to watch playing professional tennis. Um, I just, yeah, it's a curse. It's a curse, Donna. I don't but, know what to tell you. But I don't, I find it, in a way, I find it appealing. I end up caring about her progress as a result of it because she just lets you in she lets yeah. you into it and you, you end up your heart is pounding for her and you're hoping that she can just somehow pull it off because you know it's going to mean the world well in this particular instance um no such luck um and uh and she was she was she was not victorious uh belinda benches through who is another open book when it comes to the, the sort of post-match interview isn't she I just I love listening to Belinda Bench yeah she's great just finally on the subject of Donna Vekic I feel like she's somebody that it might end up being incremental for her I mean it kind of already really has been since the start of 2018 when she started working with with Torben Belts and that felt like felt like a real corner turned and this is a breakthrough in itself she'd um, twice been in a Grand Slam fourth round before never made a quarter final I don't think she's going to be a breakout result um, kind of person I think you know in at some point next year or the next 18 months she'll probably reach a Grand Slam semi-final and then we'll see where we go from there Um, I think this is fine I think she's on the curve I really like that relationship I don't, I don't mm. know what their interaction is like. I don't know how, how good it is behind the scenes. I can tell you he's very, very tall. Yes, you, you've told me this, yes. Um, but I kind of would like to know what they're like together as a, as a combination because in my mind, he's a proper coach. You know, he coached Angelique Kerber for years. And and what I mean by a proper coach is, is somebody who is in there with that player the whole time, building, building incrementally, to use your word, building blocks one at a time. And he's the one that first turned her into a Grand Slam champion. And, and it's easy to forget now, because she's won three, that that seemed if not impossible then really unlikely mm. for a long part of her career yeah. she was, I'm trying to think of an equivalent now you know somebody that you'd you'd always count on being quarter finals ish yeah. most of the time but never really put into the main discussion I just lo- def- I lo- definitely never put into the main discussion it was a massive transformation yeah I love the idea of I mean she had uh, Vekic had those prodigious year and a half two years and then just disappeared off the off the scene completely and she always looked like a junior to me even when she was 18 19 20 21 she always looked like a junior and there are comparisons there with i mean for different reasons bencic had a she had a big wrist injury didn't she 2017 yeah. dropped outside the world's top 300 but there are comparisons there there are a lot of stories like this mm. in the women's side of this tournament people that yeah. were lauded um, and talked about and hailed and pumped up is the next big thing probably a bit too young and actually there was a fantastic tweet by Hannah Wilkes today pointing out li- listing those two and, and others and saying if, if ever there is reason not to go overboard about Coco Golf, surely that's it yeah you give know, them time Taylor no, Townsend it is not one. a guarantee it is not a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen for these people no matter how good they are at 15 is that Lindsay Davenport it is yeah she's walked past it sort of three times now as if she's saying hey 
get um, me on this thing. She did actually wave to you. <laughs> she did. I, ju- I mean, I don't even know her. Bloody hell, Catherine's in there. She's mates with Mary, isn't she? Oh, OK. Right. Friendship by extension. That's I'll good. take it. All right, All right Lindsay. Because as we've identified, I can't ask her to be my friend. No. So. Oi, Lindsay, want to be Catherine's friend? <laughs> no? What about coming on the podcast? No? All right, good night. Somebody else asking if someone will be your friend is even worse <laughs> I haven't got any friends don't worry about it um, <laughs> survived 45 years over um, right so where do we get up to Vekic and then Belinda Bencic is another I mean it's it's kind of because it was the first match of the day it's qu- it happens fairly quietly here in New York things build throughout the day don't they as stories and this day felt weird um because there was an aftermath. It was another hangover yeah. kind of day from Federer the night before. So I'm sure yeah. that contributed to the weirdness of yes. Bekic and Vencic. Uh, I'm sure I say, it did, Did yeah. I say Bekic and Vencic? Four love it was, Bekic by the way, Catherine. It's now 4-2 and Nadal's at 15-40. Anyway, um, but Bencic... We, we, we talked about it the other day, the way she handled Osaka, that lovely change of direction she has. And... Yeah, I, I'm just really, really excited actually to see her play Andrescu because it, me it's, it, too. I don't. I have no idea how that match is going to go. Really, I have no. I don't get. No. I mean, I don't really have a. My only sense to it is that Andrescu has more firepower, and I'm just fascinated to see what Benchich does with her because they're, they're, they're arch tacticians and strategists but in, an, in a sort of innate, natural way. What would Martina Hingis do with Bianca Andreescu? Probably get overpowered. Do you think so? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that's, that's the thing that strikes me the most is that Bencic has a little bit more power to her game. That's what she says. She says she doesn't quite have the touch and the feel... Um, that Hingis had but she's got that bit more power um, Daniela's take on that is that she's doing herself down a bit and actually you know she probably does have the the, the touch and the mm. feel of Martin Hingis tennis is very different now it's a completely different um, era and, and well Hingis witnessed that didn't she yeah. she was there for the dawning of what does Mary call it? Big Babe Tennis. Yeah. Well, she preceded it as well. I mean, yeah. to some degree anyway, at least slightly preceded the Williams sisters, um, was winning slams before they arrived on the scene. Um, but she, she did have to encounter Lindsay Davenport, Mary Pierce, players like that. I mean, she had the purest backhand imaginable, Martina Hingis. It felt like she could just land it anywhere she wanted at any time. Um, and, and I loved watching her play tennis. Uh, but Bencic spoke today about one of her favourite players being Agnieszka Radvanska. And she, she just loved seeing players who saw the court in a different way. Um, and, and, you know, just if you haven't watched Bencic closely, and I, I, she's one of those players that I feel like I haven't watched enough of. I'd, I'd love to watch more of her tennis just because... I think you're going to see something new every time that you don't normally get to see. I'm slightly distracted because Rafael Nadal has just positioned an air conditioning hose in his crotch <laughs> a la Catherine Whitaker 2018 US Open. <laughs> well, it worked for Catherine. That cooled <laughs> her down, Rafa's. Oh, he has um, as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks absurd, <laughs> it doesn't looks it? absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> what is he doing? 
Oh, well, he wants to. He, he's trying to position it so that the air blows into his face. I, I think, could oh, give him some tips there. He really does need a couple of Catherine I could, tips. Mm. Yeah. I, what was the name you gave to your air conditioning unit? Nelly. Nelly, because it did look like a trunk. Didn't Mine it? was silver. His is black. I mean, the, uh, look, I'm all for the use of air conditioning hoses to cool down. Do what you got to do, but. That one the looks optics, like as people say there are um, that one <laughs> wonky. That one looks like it's one of those massive worms that come out of the ground in a horror film and just suddenly break through and attack you. It's like a big slinky. Another way of putting it. <laughs> uh, so, in between all this magnificent women's tennis action, we had what certainly one of I'm trying to think what are the other matches of the tournament well Monfils Shapovalov yeah that was brilliant that was really brilliant but Monfils against Berrettini it kind of grew into an absolute classic didn't it because I didn't feel like it's, it certainly didn't start as that and the first three sets were, were not dramatic and exciting to be honest it was uh, it was Monfils leading 6-3 to love then Berrettini and, and, and Matt and I were, were starting to worry that Berrettini was going to become one of those players that is brilliant all the way through and then comes up against somebody in a big stage of a tournament and then just completely you know collapses um, but that didn't happen he fought back and he, he won the next two sets he led two sets to one and then it started to take off didn't it it was just electric from there um, roof closed so the atmosphere stayed inside Monfils in showmanship mode yeah. Berrettini sort of in showmanship mode but yeah I suppose in showmanship I don't know what but he's a great I, shot maker isn't he's he he's a great shot maker yeah but it's less it's less showy than Monfils yeah it's, it's, but it's more relentless he, he's going after his shots a lot more often he's going after the big forehand He's trying to dictate play every point, whereas Monfils is more reactive and and yes. then occasionally he just Which steps up. You don't necessarily want him to be. I, I watch no. him and I want to shake him for that. Yeah, so do I. Um, but yes, he is. Uh, Matt's assessment of Berrettini, which is bang on and hadn't occurred to me, so I'll just take a moment to read this out so we can imagine that Matt's here reading it out himself. <laughs> Uh, Berrettini to me is like an upgrade on Kyle Edmund similar basic game style and plan but an even better forehand more variety more personality and bigger serve wow yeah I mean it was the first time I've watched a full five set match of his and I was very impressed with his backhand the variety he has on it he, he uses a slice but he can also hit it he uses a, a slice his slice is so good because he broke his left arm when he was 17 wow um, so he could only hit a, a slice backhand so he spent I think six months just working on that slice backhand yeah just a nice bit of background he's such a strapping lad isn't he I mean he's six foot five or something isn't he's, he he's it's for Vrinkeresque his physique yeah. isn't it but even taller um, real, and he did seem chest. to get stronger as he as he went along yeah. I thought where is Monfils <laughs> Monfils I mean in all honesty I, I wanted Berrettini to win that because I I thought Monfils just wouldn't be able to give anything in the semi-finals just as in Montreal he played that quarter I mean he was stitched up 
by the rain and the eventual scheduling in that he had to play that quarterfinal delayed the next day so he had to play it on Saturday won 7-6 in the third over Roberto Bautista a good classic classic match and then pulled out ahead of his semi-final with Rafael Nadal and he, look he was injured no doubt I saw him at the hotel later that evening he had an ankle injury but you also just felt like that was enough for him that yeah. moment that win was enough for him it didn't gut him to have to pull out of that semi-final the way it would gut some other players yeah. and I felt like that today with Monfils as much as there is this sort of instinctive will for him to win I'm also sort of looking at the big picture and I think I don't want this moment to be enough for you yeah well, it was fascinating. Um, uh, I was in the commentary box throughout the match. We didn't commentate on it, but I was giving reports on it every half an hour. And, and increasingly, BBC Radio just started getting into this match, and they wanted us, me on more often to find out what was going on. Part of that is because of the noise that the crowd were making. They were so into it, and there were, there were standing ovations. When Monfi started to come back at him in the fourth set, um, and then he got excited. When when Monfils gets excited, <laughs> because he's so laid back a lot of the time, and, you know, I think one of the problems is sometimes with him, you, you kind of feel as though if he doesn't win, it's not the end of the world. And suddenly today, when he... He was helped a little bit in the fifth set because... Berrettini serving for it at 5-3 double fault and that was the, the the only real time that I saw proper nerves in the match was 73 mile an hour serve into the net on second serve on match point but then the second or third match point that Monfils saved he saved with the most incredible forehand from rallying position rally 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 boom and then the crowd just erupted everybody on their feet Monfils just going around to, to individual people in the crowd <laughs> on the first few rounds and just looking at them and pointing at them and saying you you're with me you're with me you're with me and I'm going to do it for you so magnetic isn't it oh, it was just it just made me feel at that time only sport can do this yeah. that, that it can take somebody that the crowd they might, they might have been going for the other guy at the start. They might not have even cared that much. They might have been there to watch the match before. But in that, but the, he'd built it up. He'd built up the moments to a point where they cared about him like they cared about a member of their own family. And he was, he would have done anything to win it, win for them at that point. He was just trying every, every single thing he can think of. It took five match points for Berrettini to get the job done. Um, and actually I think one of my aside from that celebration from uh, Monfils as he was coming back I think my favourite part of the match was in the aftermath first of all when Berrettini fell to the ground and then left his racket there and walked off to go and hug his opponent and there was just this racket on the baseline for about two minutes very poignant sight wasn't yeah. it yeah. Um, and then the other one was when he was, he was getting interviewed on court there was a moment where the interviewer said to him so, Matteo, final four of the US Open. And his face just, it was, you know how some people say, I don't think it's sunk in yet. It was like the moment he said that, it sunk in. And the look on his face was like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> you know? and, and again, it's just the, oh. this feeling of how much it means to these people. I, I find that really it's uplifting and it's magnetic to me 
but also he said I'm not done yet watch out for yeah. me in my next match and I loved that I really loved that and asked Tim Hemmen and Daniela who we had in the studio about it I said realistically I mean they've already got the worst deal scheduling wise Dimitrov and Medvedev get an extra extra day on them realistically can he recover from this for Friday and they said oh yeah he can yeah. look at his physique he's an ox yeah um and the fact that his physique is Vavrinka like gives me hope that that can be the case. I just, I just don't want him to wilt yeah. in that semi-final. Well, I f- I feel whoever it may be against, when, when, given that it's four all. I mean, this juice. is this is incredible. We we, we sat it's down. It's incredible, but it also means we might have to come back in four hours and well, do some more podcasts. I mean, you know, if it happens, <laughs> it happens. But I mean, it was it was four love, and now yeah. and, and Rafael was Nadal it? has yeah, it was four love. Rafael Nadal has just saved. A break point at four all. He's lost four games a, in a row. It's a weird US Open, isn't it? It's awesome, isn't it? It's great. What did Marina Hyde call it today? I don't know. You're going to have to look that up, Catherine. Do some, do some uh, live ball-by-ball commentary on <laughs> soon-to-be-out-of-date <laughs> no, first set Schwartzman and Dahl uh, while I'll, I look up Marina Hyde. I'll tell you something else. Turn of phrase. Quickly, that I did just occur to me is Berrettini's physique gives me the same sort of confidence that Andreescu's physique gives me that this is mm. just a strong durable player who who can absorb a lot of the rigours of the sport well Mary Mary said to me on the I think moments before she uh, rushed over to um, query the, um, the gene, gene pool of the dog um, she said I, I want to be able to say on British television commentary that part of what makes her so good is her strong glutes. Yeah. Her strong base. Yes. She said, how, how can I say this on British television? And I said, bum, Mary, bum. You can <laughs> say the word bum. Um, I've listened to her commentary. I haven't heard her say the word bum. But, but yes, strong foundations. Strong foundations. So what does Marina Hyde say? The US Open is the dignity-swerving slam where tennis bad boys thrive. Yeah. Dignity-swerving. Awesome. We've been waiting for tennis to swerve dignity (laughs) for quite some time. (laughs) We have. Um, So last night, Catherine, about last night. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. You and I had a pretty entertaining uh, few hours on WhatsApp. And... (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say it went back and forth in terms of how we thought it would go because we kept on changing <laughs> our minds, didn't we? Um, you made me a believer. I made you a believer and then I made you question and that then made me, And then made me feel a fool for it. <laughs> and then you ended up being right. <laughs> or because I was right. Uh, I got carried away in both directions yeah, over yes. the course of two hours. When has that ever happened on the tennis podcast? Um, yeah. But it was there was no question that... It was an eventful night. It was it was a roller coaster ride, and there was also a moment where I I did I messaged both Catherine and Matt and said, "This is going to happen, folks. Who wants to come on the podcast with me?" And Catherine immediately put her hand up and said, "I will." Now, bear in mind, look, the, one of the reasons we don't record at one in the morning every night is because Catherine's alarm has to go off at about six so that she can go and have her hair and makeup done for her, her presenting television fancy job um, and I don't want to get in the way of that because <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't have to do any of that for the radio um, so you know what we try to do is usually we'll do the, the nuts and bolts of it all now and then we you know put a bit of an end on the show if it's required well suddenly this is a big deal Catherine goes I'll do it. <laughs> Within seconds, she'd said that. And then about an hour and a half later, when match point came and went, I said, right, Catherine, uh, I should be ready in about 20 minutes. Um, that message went, una- went unanswered. Um, another 20 minutes went by. And we've had a few of these before where I then say, you're asleep, aren't you? <laughs> And when I don't get a reply, <laughs> I know I'm right. So at that point, then, then, I, then I got back to the hotel and it's, uh, it's about two in the morning and I've been on Radio 4 talking. To, believe it or not, I was talking to David Gower, who was presenting Radio 4's Today programme Sports. I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, so that was a bit of a new experience. Um, so there I am talking to David Gower. I finished was that. Was he good? He was all right. Um, and, then, and, then, uh, <laughs> and then I said to Matt, Matt, you up? Uh, and well no actually hold on a minute after, after David Gower chat I got this message from Matt who's been asleep throughout the whole match and obviously whenever Matt's asleep in a match Roger Federer loses because that's what happened with John Milman a year ago 
Uh, and the only response that we got from Matt when I got back to the hotel room at two in the morning was OMG, right? So I'm thinking, Matt's up. <laughs> right, let's get Matt on the t- podcast and we'll talk about, talk about Federer. So I sent him Matt, and Matt, can you come on the podcast? No answer. <laughs> He's gone back to sleep. <laughs> like normal people so anyway that's why you got a little bit of a a a chat by me on my own at the end of the night so Catherine what would you have said if you'd have been on well at 8.51 I texted you and said (laughs) taxi for Mr Dimitrov (laughs) that you did yes Um, and you replied two minutes later saying no that taxi was for Wang or Wong Mr. Dimitrov is going to stay on a bit longer. He'll call you when he needs you. He's bloody dangerous tonight. <laughs> he did look dangerous. That's I, why we let you on this podcast, David. Yeah, I was, I was very enthused by the way he was... Well, the thing is with him, and I've, I've always been a little bit confused by Dimitrov. I don't understand where these dips in form come from. Because when he's playing well, I can tell very quickly. It's all the movement. Yeah. His movement is as good as anybody. He is so fast. And when his feet are alive, and, and it was really interesting listening him, he, you interviewed him today on, on Prime, and I found it really interesting the way he said, I just decided to just not worry about who was across the net. And just play me, you know, play my game. And I mean, I know that's an old cliche that people trot out, but do you know what? I really believed him and, and because the first... And I, even th- and I expected this to happen too. I didn't think he would beat Federer. I really didn't think he would beat him until it started going along. But I thought he's going to give a good account of himself here because he's just doing what Grigor Dimitrov does, which is be fast, hit the ball hard, and use his racket skills along with his speed when, when he's put in difficult positions. You're right. His speed and footwork is breathtaking. Those little mm. ballet steps, which actually Federer's famous for they're his trademark aren't they these little ballet steps he does to adjust his footwork and his speed closing down the net took my breath away last Mm. night and you're right you you sensed it and called it so early and then suddenly upon your remarks (laughs) obviously I boarded the train with all of my luggage and then yeah I, I you, yeah, you made a believer out of me, and suddenly, suddenly, I started seeing things through a, through a different lens. And I thought, I remember that actually, I thought that Federer looked a bit nervous walking on. That yeah. had that had popped into my mind. Oh, he yeah. looked a bit nervous. I and said that on the pod last night that you'd, you'd mentioned that. To, and to and me. he he did have that slightly ghostly look about yes. him pretty early on. That Milmany Andersony look about that pale that pallid sort of it's horrible isn't it anemic it's it, 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 when you see um one of these players looking like that it's really disconcerting because you it reminds you that they're human um i remember seeing it when djokovic was injured for that period of time after winning all four at the same time you know it's just really disconcerting to see this this all-time great just looking so Mortal in front of you and unable to deal with it. 10:36 p.m. I've requested Grigor in the studio tomorrow. Hashtag confident. <laughs> you replied, just Catherine. <laughs> yes. I said you were the one that made me feel confident, David. Yeah. Well. This and is... my logic then was, I think he was a break up in the fourth, and I said, 
and I stand by this, this was the one point in the evening <laughs> when I did get something right. I, I just can't see Federer winning in five. Therefore, it yeah. comes down to can Grigor hold on to this fourth set lead and serve it out? And I thought, actually, yes, he can. If David Law believes, then I believe. It was the it was the it was the missed forehands that were happening from Federer, and then you did start to. I thought ESPN did a good job of identifying little movements where he was trying to just. Stretch his back out a little bit, his upper back, and and he said all that happened when he went off court was he wanted it just to get cracked, yeah. to get loose, and not although I say just getting your back cracked is not sounds horrendous. Ideal, is it? Yeah, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a tough night for him. What do you think now about Dimitrov against Medvedev tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? No, it's not. It's Friday. No, of course. It's a women's, women's semi-finals tomorrow. Excuse me. Um, I do think Medvedev, but I thought Federer. God, it's so interesting. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I know that it's it's a blow on one level not to have Federer and Nadal as a final and, and that, that element of it. But seeing Medvedev against Dimitrov is going for a place in the US Open final, for a place in a Grand Slam final... Yeah, I find I, that I'm so drawn to that. I am too. I think I'm the only person that's not that gutted about not seeing Federer and Nadal. It's not that I haven't loved every single one of their matches. I hope I see it again at some point, but I'm okay with not seeing it again. And I'm I'm really ready for something new. I really, really am. Um... It feels like an Indian summer, somehow, Federer and Nadal in the final. We'd all love it in the moment, but we'd also all know that we're clinging. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you need, you need a, um, there needs to be a moment when these guys just come and grab it. Yeah, and I'm not sure anyone thought it would be Medvedev, Dimitrov and Berrettini grabbing it. No, no. But they are, and they are... OK, let's take Dimitrov out of it, but... Berrettini and Medvedev were next gen. They've yeah. graduated, but they were. They just weren't the ones that were being talked about. No, it's. I, I'm just really looking forward to to that match because I, I'm almost having to. I'm, I want to sort of check with you. I am right. It is a semi final, isn't it? Yeah. And the one who wins gets into the final. Yeah, of I, the I, USA I've been from. doing the same. I've been doing the same. It's amazing. I know. Interestingly, I mean, yesterday after the... Was it yesterday? God. Uh, Yeah, yesterday after the Medvedev... Was it yesterday? (laughs) Did Medvedev play yesterday? That was yesterday, yeah. He beat Vavrinka in the afternoon, didn't he? Was that only yesterday? Vavrinka wasn't very well, was he? He got the flu. That's been confirmed now. Yeah. Um, Which which does explain why why he looked so wiped out. Yes, it does. Um... But given that he's ha- he, he the schedule's on his side and he has the two full days off, Danny and Greg, um, given the sheer volume of tennis he's played in the last month or so, were convinced that he wouldn't practice today. Well, lo and behold, at about 5pm, there he was, yeah. out on the practice court. So I suppose it's finding that balance between keeping the rhythm and the momentum going and yeah. preserving yourself. But 
He plays his best tennis on his last leg, so... <laughs> it's, I hope it's a good match. I hope it's a really good contest. Um, that will be coming up in a couple of days' time. Um, so the women's semis are tomorrow. It's Bencic against Andrescu, and it is Serena Williams against... Alina Svitolina. Alina Svitolina, of course it is. Uh, we're not going to tell you who we think is going to win because that goes in our newsletter, which you're going to uh, be able to get and receive tomorrow a if you'd like to. daily opportunity the... to cover myself in glory. <laughs> You've not had a bad week, actually. Have I not? Not too bad. It's Matt who's disgraced himself. <laughs> I mean, seriously. We've got like five times as many points as him. Have we? Yeah, I mean, you know. Right. Matt, <laughs> sort yourself out. Um... So, yeah, if you want to receive our daily newsletter free, you can. Just get your phone right now that you listen to us on. Just scroll down and you'll see a link that says newsletter. And you can just put your email address down there and you'll get an email into your inbox every single morning of the Grand Slams and weekly throughout the year. It includes our rubbish predictions. It also includes uh, Matt's stat, which on a daily basis, I I find myself thinking, how on earth did you come up with that? He does proper research off his own back for all this stuff, for you listeners. He's a hive mind, isn't he? He's amazing. Um, And yeah, so if you want to do that, you can. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes. We we love reading those. What would you do if stat didn't rhyme with Matt? (laughs) I'd think of something, wouldn't I? Whiskey Whittaker. You you ardently claim that you're opposed to puns. I know. It doesn't really work, does it, in terms of my moral high ground about that and yet I love my little pithy nicknames oh well that's me Clement called Matteo Berrettini an Italian stallion on air <laughs> earlier and I laughed out loud <laughs> that was very good uh, incidentally just a word as well um, on, on Dimitrov in that interview you did with him he spoke really eloquently and beautifully about Peter McNamara didn't he and and he also just as a really relevant point to this run he's on he said he said he spent a lot of time thinking about peter and the time they used to spend together and he decided to kind of go back to basics and do some of the training that they used to do together yeah going on uh, runs every morning i yeah. remember our friend uh, sarah who was very close with uh, maca she reminded us that um, a few years ago when he was working with uh, Grigor Dimitrov and uh, Maka was playing at, at the um, the Legends event at the Hurlingham Club that he would rock up every morning he would make Grigor run with him into the Hurlingham Club from the um, <laughs> the hotel a couple of miles down the road and Maka would desperately try and keep up Good so yeah, that was absolutely fascinating wasn't it and he said he'd he said he'd been on the phone last night after the win um over Federer he'd been on the phone with um, Maka's wife Petra which yeah I think is an indication of how present he is in his mind and it's also an indication I think we would both concur what a lovely lad Grigor Dimitrov is I think that's come out the last couple of days hasn't it the people that work within the sport that have dealt with him and found him such a thoroughly nice decent human being are really chuffed for him and, there's, and it's not just us. There's a lot of people that feel that, that about him. So yeah. much warmth, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. Um, anyway, so it's the women's semi-finals tomorrow night. What, what time does it all start? 7 o'clock, isn't it? 7 p.m. midnight UK time, yeah. unfortunately. For okay. 
British the viewers. But men's semis are on Friday from four o'clock local time. I think nine p.m. UK. Uh, and Rafael Nadal has wrapped up the first set six four. Ever since he straddled that air conditioning hose, it's all gone. It's all come up, Rafa. <laughs> so. There's a moral in this tale, folks. Uh, And we will be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow. Uh, Brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by tennisballs.com, with our mascot reel with a Y. Thanks ever so much for listening. Do tell your friends, your family, anybody you know about the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, just tell them and maybe they'll enjoy it. Hope they do. And uh, we'll speak to you tomorrow. 